Welcome to the Unscripted Startup Show. I'm your host, Cameron Stack, and today we have another awesome guest. Justin Wynn is the founder of Get Your Grind Up, a motivational speaking podcast platform and movement. He is here to talk all about how young individuals can build their own side hustle slash business and grow their career. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you for having me, man. So tell me a little bit about Get Your Grind Up. Uh, I was looking on there, and you're on season three, and you've had a lot of great guests. But tell me, how how did you get started with this, and why? So basically, we, we started with the podcast. Um, that came later, right? Get Your Grind Up really essentially started off as a joke. Um, what it was is I'm of Asian descent and people used to always like, like my friends would jokingly make fun of me like, oh, you're just, you're just getting good grades because you're Asian or you're getting these internships because you're Asian. So just like a little bit of banter between the boys, um, nothing really wrong with it, nothing too, too, too bad there. But what I wanted to show on like my Instagram and my Snapchat story was, hey, like I'm really actually putting the time to work. I would come home from work from Universal and then um, go at like midnight and study for a few hours and then ultimately um, get better grades because of that or I'd go to late night networking events and then put it on my Snapchat story and I would say, get your grind up. And people started liking it and it started to build up a little bit of following. So one of my best friends from back home, my girlfriend, were like, hey, let's turn this into something serious. So that's where Get Your Grind Up originated, essentially. And then from that, that's where we started the podcast because I was started to listen to podcasts like Lewis Howes, and you would see the same guests circulating all these sort of podcasts, right? Like the Tim Ferrisses, the Gary Vaynerchucks, the Mark Cubans. But there is no real younger audience or like younger individuals being interviewed by these big-name podcasts. So we thought, why don't we become the Lewis Howes of the younger generation so we did and that's where get your the, the get your grind podcast really came about yeah yeah i totally agree with you you see all the same guests on lewis house or tom bayou uh, they all have like the same guests not saying they aren't amazing people and they don't have great things to share but yeah you see all these big podcasts and they practically interview the same people so it's just like the people are just making the rounds on the networks and a lot of these people are like celebrities or like they're known for other things. Me personally, I'm interested in hearing from business minds from like CEOs of Fortune 500 companies to people who started a side hustle or a one person business. I feel like they all have impactful stories to tell. So why not share all their stories? Yeah, exactly. And we really wanted to get the younger generation on the podcast and like start talking about their stories because we saw how how like how many amazing things that our generation was doing, but there was no real like voice telling their stories. Yes, they might get an interview by one of these larger um, like newspaper companies or media companies, but they weren't really being able to tell like their full story and getting like their knit and grit of how they got to where they are today. So we thought that like instead of interviewing a Mark Cuban where he's remembering something from 10, 20, 30 years ago of how he made his money, we can get the kid that's going to be the next Mark Cuban to tell how he actually made their money or that product or whatever it is because 
when you're trying to remember something from 10, 20 years ago, you're probably going to miss some of those really small but important details. Um, since we're interviewing these people while they're still grinding uh, at their beginning, we get sort of some of those smaller um, nitty-gritty details that might have been lost during the years. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I love that because it is like playing telephone over the years. Your memory will fade a little bit. And these these older people have great insights, but the younger generation wants to be able to look up to someone their own age. And like Gary V, he is super tech savvy and super into what's happening, but he is even older. I mean, he knows what's happening in the trends and all the popular stuff for the younger generation, but even him, he's a little bit older. So people are looking for a voice that's around their age and who feels what they're going through at this point in time. Exactly, 100%. Like, we want to listen to people who look like us, who sound like us, who are are the same age as us because we can relate to them a little bit more. That makes a huge difference when it comes to... uh, at least just me, like in terms of like listening to people. If you're younger or you're my age, I'll listen to you because I feel like I can have a better conversation with you. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So tell me about how once you came up with the idea, who were some of the first few guests and how did you roll this out into an actual brand? So our first few guests were really uh, friends that we had growing up. Like our first ever guest was Bilal Afawabi. And he was a kid that I grew up playing soccer with. He actually helped me get my my first internship at Northwestern Mutual. So shout out to B there. But he he happened to become, uh, or he was the number one intern during his class at Northwestern Mutual. And now he's the college unit director of one of like the fastest growing sectors of North Northwestern. So he's absolutely killing in the financial services industry. And he came on to talk a little bit about like fin services, what you can start getting into when you're young, kind of that financial literacy side. And that's where our first, I would say, 20 to 30 guests were. We're really just these people that we had grown up with or we knew from college or anything like that. After those 30, what we started to actually do was reaching out via DMs. And that's when my girlfriend really became involved with uh, the podcast side of, of Get Your Grind Up. Um, she, we call her the DM goddess. She lives in the DM. She, she gets these people with sometimes millions of followers, people who have raised millions in funding um, for their companies, crazy things like that. She gets them onto our podcast to really get them to tell their story, what they've done, how they've gotten to where they are. And it's, it's become really this beautiful thing. And so once we started to build this podcast, we're like, okay, this is great. Putting out all this content out for free. How do we turn this into something that, that is sustainable, that helps us all get jobs, essentially? And that's where we're starting to transition to right now in terms of building out the brand, the movement, and everything that we're doing to, to really help the younger generation. I noticed you recently had a one-of-a-kind networking event for college students. Tell me a little more about that and how it's different than a traditional career fair. 
Yeah, so like a traditional career fair, right? You walk in, you got your resume, you're in your monkey suit, and you're probably really uncomfortable, especially if it's the first ever one that you've been to, right? You Maybe you've, you've borrowed your dad's jacket and suit jacket because you don't have one yet or anything like that. So you're just walking around in a big clunky suit, and it's not the best environment to have a conversation with someone. There's hundreds if not thousands of students there with um, only a handful of companies, so you're competing with a ton of other top talent from your school, theoretically. So you walk in, you give them your resume, you give them your 30-second spiel, and that's really about it. The whole point of a career fair is to get that real in-person communication between you and the recruiter. But when you're in line and there's 50 other people behind you, you feel pressured, and that that atmosphere kind of goes away of being able to have that in-person conversation. So... Last over the past year, year and a half, what myself and and my girlfriend Michelle have really been able to do is like start to explore these sort of corporate conference atmosphere, like the places like South by Southwest podcast movement, all of these big, huge conferences. And we saw how these companies would bring these really engaging activations. And I mean, South by Southwest takes it to a whole new level where these tech companies buy out like bars, local bars and local shops for a few days and they turn it into like the Facebook house or the Twitter house or anything crazy like that, which is absolutely insane. And obviously you can't justify that if only a few hundred students are showing up to an event, but that's what we look to, to work up to. So essentially what we're doing with these new innovative career fairs and we're trying to figure out a different word than career fair because everyone has such a bad stigma with career fairs is a way to combine the corporate conference atmosphere of education and interactivity of like the interactive booths that companies bring as well as keynotes and panel speakers Um, so there's that educational piece and then also having the career fair aspect of it, of students coming in and being able to possibly find a, an opportunity for them upon graduation or an internship. That sounds like an amazing experience, and you, you know where you're headed towards. I heard that LinkedIn careers, or I think that's what they called it, and Gary V spoke there recently. It sounded like it was a really insightful event for recruiters and people who are looking to get more involved yeah 100% I wish I wish I was able to to go to I didn't even know that it was a thing but now that I know I definitely have to head out to that next year like it's LinkedIn's a beautiful platform and the whole career space right now is I feel like ready for some sort of disruption like I hate using these buzzwords but I think it's ready for it because schools are moving too slow, companies are moving too fast, technology is moving too fast, so someone's going to need to be able to bridge that gap, and I think uh, what we're doing at Get Your Grind Up is is really putting those pieces together to create that, that bridge. Yeah, for sure, and students can't rely on their school's programs to help them land a job. Yeah, it is nice to take advantage of some of the opportunities, but you need to actively seek the opportunities you want to pursue, and you can't just wait until it falls into your lap. Whether it's entrepreneurship or if you want to work at a tech company, you got to start going out and just hitting the ground and connecting with people and networking and figuring out what you really want to do. And I mean, at the end of the day, a school is a business and the majority of the way that they make their money is through tuition, uh, tuition costs. And if you think about it, right, if a student doesn't get a job, 
what do they tend to usually do? Yes, they might get a part-time job or, or um, become underemployed. But some of the times, I would say majority of the times, what they're pushed towards is getting their master's degree and moving on that way. And what, what's a master's degree? That's more income for the school. So that's there, there's also that sort of perspective that you have to look at it, too, of like maybe there's a bit of it of, of why schools aren't necessarily showing students how to ultimately get jobs. Like, yes, they might be providing all the skill sets of education piece to it. But I think schools do a very poor job of actually preparing students on how to find a job. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I know it's a lot of people who are not quite sure on what they want to do with their career. They're like, oh, I will just continue. I will get a master's or I'll get an MBA, which I'm not saying it's a bad thing to do. But I think you should first be out in the workforce for a couple of years and then decide if you want to get a graduate degree. In opposed to just continuing on with more school because you're not quite sure. 100%. So let's talk about what are your thoughts if someone is getting ready to graduate for school, but they're not quite sure what they should be doing right now. What are some of your tips? So if you haven't been able to get any internships just yet, there's actually this really um, innovative company that I heard about maybe a month ago called uh, Parker Dewey. And what they do is they offer micro-internships. So traditionally, internships are like during the summer, two and a half months, ten weeks. And sometimes they're good internships, but most of the time you're really not doing very much, right? You're just using it for for the name on your resume, and maybe you'll do some Excel stuff uh, during the summer. But you don't really learn too, too much. How Parker Dewey kind of changes it is they've partnered with some of the biggest companies in the U.S., uh, like PepsiCo, Uber, etc. What those companies will do is they'll offer a project, right? A small project that might take 40 hours, might take 60 hours, whatever it may be. And then they'll put it on their website and then you apply for that project. So it's, a, it's they're calling it micro internships. So you actually get the test and not have a full commitment and you also get paid for it. So that could be a really good way to start tasting different sort of um, environments, different companies, different jobs, different sectors in, in the work industry and get paid for it too um, without having like a long-term commitment. So you can start off with that. Then once you find really like your niche and what you want to go towards, then you can start start applying the right way to, uh, to some of these companies around the U.S., the ones that you want to actually work for. Wow, that, that is a really intriguing idea. Uh, I, I look forward to hearing more about that. But yeah, that sounds like a really cool concept because a lot of internships are either unpaid or you're just doing manual stuff, but it's not like you're learning that much. So it's really important to maximize your time in an internship because why would you want to just get an internship for the name, be doing coffee runs or doing something that isn't what you're trying to develop your skills in. Exactly. It's, it's, a, it's a good way to know exactly what you're doing, right? I mean, I interned at five or six different companies when I was in school. Several, like three, I think, or four of them were Fortune 150 companies. And there's only a handful of projects that I actually got to work on. Most of the time it was just manipulating an Excel sheet barely or doing a little bit of research, but nothing really intensive. Whereas these Parker Dewey micro internships, you 
actually know exactly what you're working on and you can put in those hours for it up front and also get paid for it too. So it's a win-win for both sides. For sure. Like I mentioned, this podcast is all about helping people find something that fits for them and working around their schedule. So what would be some of your thoughts? Say someone does not want to start a full-time business, but they want to start a side hustle or a part-time business on the weekends after they after they start building up their experience in the workforce. What would some of your thoughts be on that? I think everyone has a different path, right? Not everyone is going to be the same. Not everyone's motivated the same way. And some people want that all-time flashy lifestyle, and you're going to have to work hard for that, while other people are completely okay with playing on their local soccer team every single Sunday um, while still being able to either run their business or, um, or work their 9 to 5 during the week. Like, at the end of the day, you have to do what makes you feel comfortable. You don't want to be in this ultra high-stress environment all the time if, if your body can't deal with that. Right. Like, for instance, for me, like when I started to really pay attention to Gary Vee, maybe two years ago, two, three years ago, I tried to follow his lifestyle, tried to be that guy who worked every single time, every single minute, every single hour of the day. And then ultimately it wasn't me. That's not how I function. And I wasn't really the happiest that I could be. Whereas now I've started to find that sort of balance of like working, grinding, getting my grind out of grind up, of course, and doing LinkedIn, LinkedIn consulting and all this stuff while still growing, get your grind up. But at the same time, I'm spending a whole bunch of time with my girlfriend. I'm finding different ways to travel through speaking. And I'm, I'm starting to find these different pieces to match the life that I actually want to live. So what I would say is, like, first work Think of as far of ahead as you can. Obviously, it's hard to think any time ahead, whether it's five or ten years. But think of the lifestyle that you generally want to live, and then just work backwards that way. That's the best way to to do it, I think. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And there is no one size fits all for business or for your career or for life in general. You have to do what what fulfills you and what makes you happy whether that is running a small business a couple days out of the week and living like the beach money lifestyle. You make $40,000 a year, but you're only putting in 20 or 30 hours into your business or working 100 hours and making much more, but then obviously it's more stress or even working a 9 to 5. Some people, like Gary V says, some people are the perfect people to be the number two or number three or number four person in a company, but they're not meant to be the CEO or they're meant to be a partner or a contributor or freelancer. And you just really have to find what fits for you and you can't let anyone else's stereotypes or their way of doing it, like force you into a box. 100% man, 100% agree. So what are some of the things you have learned from your past internships and building your business up that you would like to share with the younger generation? The, the number one thing that I learned from my internships is not everything is what it seems. The big flashy name doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be doing uh, a lot of meaningful work. And that's why I would strive, like if I were to do college again, what I would do is uh, my freshman year, try to get an internship at, at the biggest company that I could find, right? Just so for the game recognition purposes. 
so the first, my freshman and sophomore year, that's what I would solely focus on. How can I go internet Goldman? How can I go internet Chase? How can I go internet Google? Whatever it may be. Because so then my junior and senior year, I could focus more on what I actually want to do because I have those names to leverage. So even though they might not be the most, I mean, they might be. I didn't internet those companies, so I don't know. But if even if it's not the best experience in terms of learning, you're able to leverage those names like crazy come your junior and senior year to, to turn unpaid internships into paid internships or even get opportunities that you never would have even uh, started to, to believe in. And when it comes to, to business side, I think the number one thing that I learned was look at who's actually paying you in terms of your customer and then how can you actually help them. So for instance, for our industry, we we thought that students were going to be our paying customer, but in actuality, the companies are. So the companies are the ones that are paying the sponsorships, that are paying for the table spots. So we have to provide the most value to them, not necessarily the students attending. So it's it's an interesting circle when you start to think of things that way. But when you can really change your mindset, it helps really focus in on your business and what you need to do and how you can actually create some money from it. Yeah, definitely. I've noticed a lot of people who have got a short-term position at Goldman, and you can't think of something that has better recognition than Goldman Sachs. But a lot of these people do end up moving on quite quickly after that because, yes, it is good recognition, but they're not finding as much fulfillment as they thought. And so... When it comes down to it, it's good to get that recognition, maybe your first internship or position. But then after that, you can find a lesser known company that probably pays you just as much and is more fulfilling. So it's really about finding a balance. Exactly. And that that be the best piece of advice that I would tell people is like, don't. Especially when you're young, people think you're really ambitious, so you might be able to even snag those internships when you're earlier. Uh, with a kid that was interning at the Hartford, it was my first year, and it was my junior year, I think it was, and he was this, he was a year younger than me, but he's, this would have been his fifth year interning. Like, he was interning there since high school. So I didn't even think, I didn't even know that high school interning was a thing. But it definitely is. So that's how you can even start to build these relationships with some of these companies at an earlier level than you would have never thought of. That's super incredible. What's your perspective on the edge tech market? Education tech is interesting because it's it's funny, right? Everyone um, at my school used to joke that we're not actually graduating from, from UCF. We're graduating from McGraw-Hill University. And for those who don't know, McGraw-Hill is the one, is the company that essentially creates a lot of the online courses from the books that you would buy. So instead of having to pay $200 for the book, you can rent the book for like $30 at Amazon, but then they'll make you buy the online component of the book for like $130. Um, so it's really interesting to see how they sort of change their business model to add education tech into it. Personally, right now, battle between who wins the college campus. You've got Handshake, which is really big on a lot of universities' campuses. And then you've also got LinkedIn uh, Learnings feature, which they're focusing on on students. So you've got this, this education tech sort of battle between a whole bunch of industry giants. There was Canvas, like you said, LinkedIn Learning, Handshake, um, so many different platforms and I think they're great, but what's really going to change education 
is who can come up with a realistic business model that isn't a tuition model. And what I mean by that is you, like, I think a couple of years ago there was Mission U, um, but I looked into it and they, they're they not a thing anymore. And the way Mission U worked was you would go to, to school education for free um, and it would be a two-year program. And when you ended it, you would have to pay back, like, 30% of your income for the next, like, three years or four years or something like that. So who can come up with a model similar to that that's actually sustainable? I think that's going to be the biggest ground mover and changer and disruptor in the education, education tech space. Yeah, I know a lot of people have been investing into this concept. The schools I've seen out there are only related to programming, but there are, like, four different big coding schools that have this concept. It's like either 13 or 17 or 20% of your income for the next three or four years if you're making over 50 grand, which is an intriguing concept, but it is just for programming. And it'll be interesting to see how they branch out to other spectrums and other things in school and education than just programming. Yeah, and I think I think what everyone isn't focusing on is I think everyone is focused on the cost of tuition and tuition and everything like that. I think the biggest differentiator and at least what I think most students go to college for is they feel that that's their next step into a career. So what school or, or what program can create a way to not necessarily guarantee but up the percentage of that student getting a job offer upon graduation because right now nationwide it's only about 25 to 35 percent of students who have a job offer utilizing their degree when they walk across that stage and i think that's incredibly low and if you take out the stem majors that percentage is going to be even lower right so it's i think that's going to be the biggest differentiator of who can actually get these students placed? Because at the end of the day, that's what these students care about. Yes, education can be great, but if you if you can't get a job with your education, then, then what's the point of it? Yeah, for sure. And if you have $100,000 student loan debt or $10,000 loan debt and you both end up working at the same company, does it really matter that you went to Harvard and this person went to a state school if you're making the same amount of money? I would say no, but it depends on the person. Yeah, and I think as you start to, to if you if anyone has ever talked to, to someone who's in the position to hire for anything higher than an entry-level position, nine times out of ten, your school doesn't matter where you came from. Right. You're the school that you graduated from or the degree that you even got really only matters when you're getting that entry level position. After that entry level position, no one really cares. Your results speak for itself. Um, so that's why it's really interesting to see how especially the higher education space is going to change, because I don't think anyone is focusing on the better way to place their students. They're focusing more on what's the education that we can provide. And I think that's just completely backwards. I think they should focus on how can we better place our students at at better companies getting higher salaries and then working backwards and seeing, okay, 
what do those companies want to teach in this class so then we can teach those in in the curriculum and i mean that's a whole nother problem in itself of like teachers being on tenure universities being research first rather than students oriented first um i can go on a huge tangent with that with a whole bunch of knowledge that i've learned over the past sort of year or so diving deep into the education space but the whole sort of industry is definitely going to need to change uh, for the future. I would totally agree with you that on that point. And I know so many people who have got a degree and haven't used squats. They're in a completely different sector. Like I know this one girl who got a degree in, it was either biology or chemistry. And she ended up working at Goldman Sachs doing analytics and stuff in that nature. So she didn't use her degree at all. And so currently, I feel like it's more important about getting a degree to show that you can stick it out. And then if you're able to apply yourself, you can get a job in any industry you want with exclusions to being a lawyer and medicine and health-wise related. But anything else, I feel like as long as you have that degree and you can apply yourself, you can get that job. I know people who are have an English degree and they're working in film or people who have a science degree and they're working in business and banking. So I feel like it really doesn't matter what your degree is in. Yeah, no, 100%. It's moving towards that. It's really about how can you leverage that degree in those conversations, right? Like I have a finance degree, but everything that I do now is mainly marketing which doesn't really have an overlap. But if I went into a marketing interview, um, I say, oh yeah, I graduated a finance degree. That gives me sort of the analytical background. And since data analytics is really becoming this huge thing, that kind of sparks their mind over that creative marketing major that graduates college. Um, the craziest thing that I learned from the last career um, event, the Get Your Ground Up experience that we hosted was, it was a marketing specific one and we were trying to get a marketing firm to, to come and you would think marketing firm would really want to hire marketing majors. But what actually turned out is they don't even hire, they don't even look at most marketing majors. They're actually going to look for the communications or the English major because those students have some sort of proven way that they can show that they can write. They show that they, they know how to write copy and everything like that. Where Whereas the marketing student throughout their their college experience really has only been taught sales, and that's completely different from marketing. So it's it's been interesting to learn a lot of these different sort of caveats in the education space and the job finding atmosphere that I'm just trying to bring to light to to help all these students figure out where do they actually want to go and how they can actually better prepare themselves to obtain that position once they graduate. So wrapping up, what would be your top five tips for a student who is looking to grow their career or grow their side hustle? What would you suggest that they do? Yeah, tips one and two, um, especially for the student. And if you're trying to grow a side hustle, check into the environment to see if your audience is on this platform. But look at LinkedIn and look at look at creating content on the platform. I've known students who have just, because they, they've connected with people from the companies that they want to work for, and they started to create content around what they want to do at those specific companies, they've gotten conversations with those recruiters, which can lead to, to jobs um, in the future. So if your steps one and two would be create a LinkedIn page, figure out how to optimize that instead of into a resume, but more into a landing page, and then figure out how to create content to draw viewers to your page. Step number three 
it's a quote it's we overestimate what we can do in one year and we underestimate what we can do in 10 and it's it's incredible when you start to live your life by that you start to become a little bit more patient you put a less a lot less pressure on yourself to succeed then and there but more of trying to hit certain milestones and building that momentum for that 10-year goal instead and it's it's helped me accomplish some things that I thought would have taken me years within a year because I've just changed my mindset towards um, towards things. Fourth one, I would say another tip would be get a good group around you. I mean, it's as, as cliche as it is, finding people around you and surrounding yourself with like-minded individuals that, that kind of force you to, to work a little harder, do a little better, learn a little bit more. It, it only pushes you to be that much better life. Because at the end of the day, we're all competing, right? It's human nature to compete just a little bit, no matter how non-competitive you think you are. Um, I think there's that little bit of competitive edge to, to every single one of us. And when it's in sort of a core group and you're able to have that competitiveness without really ruining any relationship, it's a beautiful sort of relationship that you can have with the people around you. And then the last one I would say is biggest tip that I could give would be figure out what you want. It's, and I know we, we tend to always talk about purpose, right? Find your purpose and you'll, you'll never work a day in your life. I don't believe that. I mean, I'm doing things that I love and it's still, some of it still feels like work. Like you're always going to have to fill out paperwork. You're always going to have to do things that you're not going to want to do. But once you figure out what you really want to do with life in terms of a, a place that you want to impact, something good that you want to do, or maybe, maybe for you, it might be making as much money in the world as possible. But once you know what that thing is, you can actually start to work towards it. And I think that's the, the one thing that uh, schools fail to prepare us in colleges. They don't actually help us prepare in terms of what we actually want to do. All, that, all they say is, here's a list of majors. You need to choose one for the rest of your life without giving you any sort of details to make an educated guess. So I would say figure out what you want to do in your life by compiling a whole bunch of data points of like watching YouTube videos, interacting with people from those industries and everything like that. It, it's, it's going to be crazy to see how your perspective is going to change once you talk to 100 people. So get out, talk to those 100 people, gather those data points and then figure out what you want to do. And then you can kind of work backwards from there. Yeah, you brought up some excellent points and we do underestimate how much we can get done in a long period of time, but we also overestimate how much we can get done in, say, a week, a month, a year. And we're like, we have to do all this stuff right away and it can burn us out. But if we just improve upon yesterday's success and the day before that and just increase our knowledge and our skills 1% better each and every day, we'll get much further than we think in the long term. Definitely takes time for sure. And like college, they have a lot of cookie cutter things like you're either a finance major or a marketing major or whatever in the business school. But just because we're interested in business, maybe we don't fit that cookie cutter thing of working at a bank or working in a lab or whatever it may be, there is always some way you can express your interests and desires that is not mainstream. And you just have to figure out what that is and then start pursuing stuff. 100%. I really want to thank you for coming on the show. And is there anything that's happening in the upcoming future that you would like to tell our audience about? 
Not really. We're just grinding. We're, we're starting to plan our next experience. Um, if you're in the Orlando area, uh, feel free to hit me up on any of my socials, which I'm sure Cameron's going to have linked in, in the show notes. What we're planning is crazy. You just got to give us some time to, to really work out all the kinks. But if you are around in the Orlando area, just let me know. I'll figure out a way to get you into the event. And then, again, like I said, it's going to be a crazy experience. Thanks so much for listening, guys. And I will be sure to leave Justin's information, his LinkedIn and the podcast and some of the other information in the show notes. So be sure to check it out. Don't forget to live life 1% better each and every day. And I hope you guys have an awesome rest of your day.